life oriented towards God and his purposes in the world recognizes unless he builds it, unless he watches over it, unless he grants it, I shouldn't want it. I shouldn't want to live in it unless he builds it. I, I shouldn't want it in my life unless, unless he grants it. I, I, I shouldn't want to be around it unless he's watching over it. I, I, sh- I shouldn't want it. I don't fear God and obey him because of judgment. Have you noticed that every time it talks about fearing God, it's never about because he might smite thee. Have you ever noticed that when you read everywhere it talks about fearing God is always about so blessings and goodness and mercy and prosperity would flow into your life. Hello, I'm Pastor JP. Welcome. We are so glad you are checking us out online. We hope the word you're about to hear is an encouraging point in your life today. So, we're praying for you, we love you, and stay tuned. I remember, I must have been maybe in the third or fourth grade, but my dad had decided that we too were going to have a garden. Grandma and Papa had a garden, my mother's mom had a garden, my, my other grandma had a garden, my aunts and uncles had a garden, everybody had a garden. The generations above us had gardens. Dad had decided that we were going to have a garden and borrowed Grandpa's tiller and out really far out in the corner of our property, not even in eyesight of the back porch. You had to kind of walk to get over to it, the back corner. Something tells me Mama has something to do with that. Like you couldn't see it. He had tilled up this long patch. I mean, it must have been as long as this basketball court. About five or six rows of earth. Nice straight rows. And started a garden. And and somewhere, and I must, the third fourth grade, in that age, what are you, eight, nine, 10, 11, somewhere in that age group, we started having a garden and doing all the things that you do when you have a garden and, and, and not just plant things and try to cultivate it and grow things and all manner of types of veggies and things like that, but then like all the other things like pesticides and then putting up all kinds of, of things to try to keep rabbits and deer away from it and all that kind of mess. It's just all the aggravation that comes with having a garden. And I do not know why, but I remember the last time Dad planted a garden. Dad was excited about this. He decided, and I don't know if it was just because it was like a, a just a one-time thing or... I don't know. I don't know what the conditions were, but there must have been just the right kind of conditions. But he decided that he was going to plant all all rows, all over. He was just going to plant potatoes. And, And we were going to plant potatoes. And so we planted potatoes. 
And I don't, I don't know if you've ever planted potatoes or had gardens, but did you know you have to dig up potatoes? Like, it's work. And I remember that work. And I, I, don't, I don't know if my dad knew that that's what it was going to be because I, and maybe it was because nobody in my family, like I don't remember grandma ever growing potatoes. I don't remember my grandma's, my other grandma ever growing potatoes. Like there was a reason why nobody in our family grew potatoes. And maybe that's why dad thought I'll be the one to grow body potatoes. And we grew potatoes. And, and I remember it took a couple of months. But I remember it felt like we were digging up potatoes forever. And dad had, and that wasn't even the worst part, okay? The, the digging up potatoes wasn't the worst part. The worst part was, was trying to get rid of them. The worst part was, dad had an old Montgomery Ward riding lawnmower. Anybody know what Montgomery Ward is? Anybody remember Montgomery Ward? And so dad had an old Montgomery Ward lawnmower. And he had that old, he had a wagon, a Montgomery Ward wagon, attached to it and it was about three by five maybe two and a half inches uh, inches <laughs> feet deep and and we would load that wagon up till they were just rolling off the uh, off the side and we didn't even care to pick them up and and we would ride up and down the streets and I was so embarrassed because he would make me walk up to stranger's house and knock on the door and ask him, do y'all want some <clears throat> potatoes? Please. Please, we've got fresh garden potatoes. We even, he, we even got our stack. You know how you have the cabinet full of plastic grocery bags, you know, that we don't know why we're saving them, but we are. For some reason, like someone's going to buy them off of us one day. We took ours and half our relatives, and, and we are like, we even have plastic bags for you, please. It was like the whole, if they asked for a loaf of bread, you give them two. They were like, sure, we'll take a bag. We gave them two. And I'm begging people, please take these potatoes. You don't understand. Mama said we got to get rid of these potatoes. There's too many potatoes in the house. That was the last year we had a garden. We didn't have a garden no more. Those potatoes just grew wild back there. And the deer and the animals took care of the rest. I'm not even sure we dug them all up. I'm pretty sure we didn't. Pretty sure we didn't. Potatoes. Now listen. He was so, I just remember dad being pumped about these potatoes. I wish he was still alive so I can ask him, what was the backstory there? Um that I really would like to know. It was one of those situations, though, that was kind of the opposite of what we just read. The, we, we sowed. We sowed in joy. We sowed in joy, but we reaped in tears because we, the, we lacked a certain understanding about what we were sowing and how the reaping was going to go down. 
We lacked a certain knowledge. That created a whole lot of work. And so when it was all said and done, we knew. When it was all said and done with that knowing, we knew it was the end of gardening for us. That, that phase was over. But at the beginning, Dad had this vision about having a garden, and I'm pretty sure that he just he wanted one because everybody else in the family had one. It is just what we did. But that really wasn't a good enough reason to just have one, especially if you have a brown thumb. Dad was more of a mechanic than an organic, you know, kind of guy. Everybody needs dreams and visions for their lives, but it needs to be yours and not borrowed right out the gate. The psalmist says, we were like those who drink. We were like those who drink, but you got to be careful because that connotation there isn't we were like those who dreamed, like those who daydreamed or those who were just mere dreaming or it was different than that. To put it in a different way, what he's saying is we were like those with vision. And not just any vision, but a God-given vision. And when God authors your dreams, when he places a dream and vision, even though you sow into those dreams and sow into those visions with tears, you will eventually reap with joy. You may go out with nothing but a, a bag of seeds and tears. And those are just seeds of hope. But when you come back in, eventually you'll be carrying sheaves of the harvest. But there's like a whole lot of in-between. A whole lot of waiting and a whole lot of pruning and caring. And there's a whole lot of watching over and toiling. And then sometimes, if you're not careful, you, you begin to reap, and then you realize you start reaping stuff that you didn't mean to sow. You didn't mean to sow that. And every day, the word picture that, that 126 and 127 and 128 are trying to paint, the word picture here is that every day you are sowing something into your life, every, intentionally or not, naturally and in the natural and in the spiritual, you are sowing something into life, whether you mean it or not. And this all sounds okay. Pastor, and it's all very inspirational, but at some point, let's just say I get a hold of that, and, and let's just say I get a, <clears throat> a hold of some type of vision, some type of dream. I wake up and I, okay, uh, I want to plant some potatoes for God. Oh, now what? That's the dream. Because, like, we got to eat. So, now what? And that's when the, the psalmist ascends into 127 and, and 120, 
128. And that's when he starts to say, but unless the Lord builds it, unless the Lord watches over it, unless the Lord grants it, you labor in vain. You watch it in vain. You rise up early and you stay up late in vain. You toil in vain. Because, because see, it doesn't matter how great your, your vision is and your plan is for your life. It doesn't matter how, how organized and how straight you have it all, all worked out or, or none at all. It doesn't matter how much you, 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 you can invest your blood, sweat, and tears in it all. If you sow with just grit, you're just going to reap the grind. But if you sow with God, you reap the grace. He goes on and says, blessed are those who fear the Lord and walk in obedience to him. You will eat the fruit of your labor and the blessings and the prosperity will be yours. That daily grind. That daily grind can get hard. That daily grind is all about willpower, self-fulfillment. Pull yourself up by your bootstrap and make it happen. And listen, there's nothing wrong with grit and, and working hard. and nothing wrong with any of that. We need that blood, sweat, and tears. There's nothing wrong with it until it becomes your idol. There's nothing wrong with it until it becomes that thing in which you're obsessed with. Nothing wrong with it until it becomes the thing in which you give all credit unto. If it had not been for me, I don't know where I would be. If it had not been for me, I don't know where you would be. If it had not been for me, I don't know where my family would be. If it had not been for me, I don't know where my children would be. If it had not been for me, I don't know where else would be. You see what I'm saying? If I wasn't the one to fix it all the time, if I wasn't the one to straighten everything out, I'm sorry. You know, one of the things that just aggravates the mess out of me is when speakers drink water in front of people. Because I'm sitting out there like, what, you think I'm not thirsty? You think I don't want a drink? But if I get up right now and go get a drink, you'd think me rude. Forgive me. But my wife gave it to me, so that means I have permission. No, when you make that your idol, it, you become the center of your universe. You become your own superhero. You become the, the, the center of your own universe. You sow and you sow and you sow that grit and, and you keep reaping the grind thinking that sooner or later, Soon it'll all pay off and you'll find rest and you'll find reward. You see, you won't. You won't. You'll just find more grind and more grind until it wears you down. But a life oriented towards God and his purposes in the world 
recognizes unless he builds it, unless he watches over it, unless he grants it. I shouldn't want it. I shouldn't want to live in it unless he builds it. I, I shouldn't want it in my life unless, unless he grants it. I, I, I shouldn't want to be around it unless he's watching over it. I, I, sh I shouldn't want it. I don't fear God and obey him because of judgment. Have you noticed that every time it talks about fearing God, it's never about because he might smite thee. Have you ever noticed that when you read everywhere it talks about fearing God is always about so blessings and goodness and mercy and prosperity would flow into your life because it isn't about judgment. It's about flourishing. It's about orienting your, yourself and your life not around you, not so that you're the center of it all so that God is the center of it all. And when you do that, you allow yourself to obtain fullness, to obtain that shalom, that wholeness, that flourishing. And what did the psalmist say? And he will grant sleep to those he loves. And it is in that place you can rest. Why? Because you can afford to rest because he continues to, to work. He continues to build. He continues to watch. He continues to grant things. He continues to be active even when you're not. That's a pretty good deal. We don't fear the Lord and obey him because he's up there with his big thumb looking to smush you. We fear God and obey him because we know that is the best place to be. So when he, in his good timing, has the thing built, we can step in and live in it. That when the enemy comes in, the one who watches over us, he is our guard in our safe place. And if we're already where we're supposed to be, then our guard is already watching over us. Why do, we can sleep like babies. What do we have to worry about? We already where we're supposed to be. What do, what do we have to fret? Our life is, is right where it's supposed to be. You see? So we can, we can rest. We can. Our God is active and always moving. So the psalmist says, within your house, around your table, in other words, within your family and your home life, or guarding the city or farming in the fields, that's your vocation or your work life in the city or out and, 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 and working out in the country. So in other words, in your home life, painting pictures here with the song, whether you're, whether you're inside the city working, whether you're outside, out in the fields working, you will eat the fruit of your labor, the scripture says, and blessing and prosperity will be yours. See, your, the actions, your actions today sow the dream seeds of future reaping. And that's, that blessings and prosperity that he's talking about, we've talked about one of those words. That's that, that blessings word that they're using. It's another variation of shalom. We've talked about that. But that prosperity word, that's a little, that's a little different. That, you remember shalom, that's that whole, all of life woven 
all of your life woven into all of God. That sounds so super spiritual, but really, read the song. It's talking about work. It's talking about home life. It's talking about children. It's talking about how you are toiling and, and sweating and working. It's talking about how, how you intermix your faith and all of your life together and trust and obey God. And in all of that, it talks about shalom and prosperity. But that word for prosperity is a different word than shalom. It's, it's a word called tav. Look at your neighbor and say, Tav. Tav. You can say it better than that. Tav. Tav. See, you learn a little Hebrew church today. Tav. It's an interesting word. Most Bibles might translate it goodness. Some translate it prosperity. It, it is another one of those really loaded words. It's hard to really grapple. It's, it's, it's like shalom. It's hard to grapple with it. It's a synonym to shalom. Sometimes instead of shalom, they'll use the word tav. It represents another sense of wholeness because it doesn't just represent goodness, although it does mean goodness, but it also means happiness. So it doesn't just mean goodness in the sense of Goodness, it's almost like good things unto you. Like good things coming unto you. That's why they translate it into prosperity a lot of times. Like good things come to you. Like a lot of potatoes, you know? That was the, the first row was a good thing. You know, times five rows was a bit much. But it was a good thing that came unto us. But it was more than that because it's not, it's not just good things, but it's also a sense of happiness. See, that's where the five rows, we didn't achieve Tav because the, the extra five rows didn't bring happiness. That's a state of being. That's a sense of complete joy and happiness inside and out. I have what I need. I am fulfilled inside and out. You see, there is, I, 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 goodness has come unto me and goodness is within me. Joy and happiness is within me. That's tough. You see how it's hard to explain? So when it says blessings and prosperity, it's, that's the word tough. That's what it's talking about. That type of wholeness. Now, I want you to know something because we're talking about sowing and reaping. Now, just a word of caution. I want you to understand that sowing you're, you're not earning anything here, okay? You're, you're not cashing in through good works, okay? If I sow something, it's like a religious credit system here. Eventually, I'll get to cash out somehow, you know? That's not, that's not what it's saying. The person who puts their trust in God walks in obedience with God because they trust that in that, my life with God is going to yield good things inside of out. And with that, my life will be made whole. Living according to the words of God and the ways of God in worship to God is a journey worth taking. It's a climb 
worth climbing. It is an ascent worth rising to. And that is the God we find in Jesus. And that's what he calls for in us and out of us. Jesus himself said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength. And the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. There are no commandment greater than these, even when it's hard. Even when it's hard. And that's when we go back to the very beginning of Psalm 126. Planting through the pain reaps some of the sweetest of God's promises. Hey, we had one bad potato crop. We quit gardening. That was it for us. But how many know? We can't do that with our relationship with God. We can't quit doing the things we know we need to do in our relationship with God just because we go through one hard season. Those sowing in tears with singing do reap with joy. Galatians puts it this way. Let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. We see it in Psalms. We see it in the new covenant. It goes on to say, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So Christians, we don't just get to go with God. You sow with God. And there's always a delay between sowing and reaping. And it's in the middle. It's, it's in that in-between. We've talked about that. Where we can't grow weary. You have to trust. He sees every prayer. He hears every cry. He sees every tear. He sees you. He sees you try to work in the virtues that he longs to work into your life in the fruits of the spirit and love and kindness and gentleness, compassion. He sees, he sees it when you're trying to swallow your pride and when nobody else is. He sees when you're rubbing blisters on your hand trying to help, you, help your neighbor and help your friends and nobody else is. He sees it. No one's recognizing your hardships and in your acts of service, that he sees it. He sees the, the tension when you're trying to be faithful. He sees it. Don't give up. Don't give up when you're feeling stretched and tried. Because friends, in all of that, you have to trust the Lord's building it. Whatever it is, Whatever that vision of the future is, that restored relationship, that hope for the future, that next thing for you, whatever it is, the Lord is watching over it. The Lord is guarding it. The Lord has got his eye on it. Go to sleep. Rest at night. God's got you.
Thanks for joining us again. We hope today's word was a blessing to you, maybe even challenged and inspired you. We'd love to connect with you, serve you in any way. Go to mynorthside.church, click the link for us to connect. We are praying for you. We believe that God has great things in store for you. We'll see you next time.